Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Musai Collective. I'm your host, Lindsay Cabrera. And before I introduce my next guest, I'd like to say a big thank you to everyone who's listened, subscribed, shared, and showed so much love for the launch of the podcast. I launched just four weeks ago, and since I've reached over a thousand downloads. I also launched the very first Musai Mix Series last week, featuring DJ producer Miss Malera, which has reached over 3,000 plays. You can listen to her melodic techno set on SoundCloud at Musai underscore collective. On today's episode, I'm speaking with art activist and co-founder of the Art Rising and Global Coalition non-for-profits, Angeline Chen. We discuss using the power of art for positive social and environmental transformation, the Atabay sculpture, which will soon be deployed and become a living coral reef here in the Dominican Republic, the importance of coral restoration, marine ecosystems, and much more. This art activist Musai is an inspiration to watch, and you can follow her project on Instagram at Global Coalition. I hope you enjoy this episode, and here's Angeline Chen on Musai Collective. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Musai Collective. Today, I'm here with Angeline Chan, who is the co-founder of Global Coalition and The Art Rising. Angeline, it's so good to be here with you. It's so funny how full circle this entire friendship has been meeting you one year ago in the Dominican Republic, just super randomly at that little restaurant. (laughs) Yeah, we did have a really strange meeting. Like we just saw each other from across the room and had like a weird instant connection and just started like gravitating towards each other. Exactly. <laughs> it was like energy attracts energy. And I just remember sitting there with my friends and you walked in with your friends and you just had this big smile on your face and these huge big red earrings. And I was like, oh, she's nice. We just like, you know, smiled at each other because we were just like, you know, having a nice time. And then we kept like smiling at each other. I was like, I'm going to go say hi to her. <laughs> it's like, what's your name? And then we just started chatting. And then I'd say a couple months later, we were back here in March for Future Horizon. That was also a mild debut of Atabe and the sculpture structure on site at the Future Horizon event, which we'll get into later. You know, she was in her early stages of creation and we were so fortunate enough to also have the experience of having ceremonialist and shaman Irka Mateo on site to give her blessings and help guide you with your process of Atave. That was really beautiful. And so I'm super happy to be here with you today and talk about all the amazing things you are doing. And yeah, I just want to start off with talking about the Art Rising, which is a creative collaboration with your partner, Kyle Block. Can you tell us about the Art Rising and how you came up with this project and what are the values of the art rising? Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> so Kyle, my partner and I, we've uh, we've been together eight, almost nine years. And uh, early in our relationship, we were both discovering ourselves of art, as artists. So he traveled in Southeast Asia by himself. I traveled in India by myself. And we were both just having our own individual artistic creation discovery journey. Cool. Eventually when we came back together, we created our first piece together and we were just like, this is the best. Like the, the experience of collaborating and bringing our, our styles together and learning from each other. Um, we were like, we want to do this like forever for the rest of our artwork. We really wanted to think, you know, how do we turn this art passion into a sustainable life? Mm-hmm. And so we thought about our three values, 
that we wanted to live by and they were to travel the world, make art and give back. And so we designed our whole project around living in another country, collaborating with indigenous artists mm -hmm. and then uh, exhibiting that work, raising funds through the art and then funding something philanthropic in that region. And so our first project was in Southeast Asia, where we were collaborating with woodcarvers from Thailand, Cambodia, Burma, Vietnam, Indonesia. And we exhibited it all around New York and cool. raised funds. The two causes we felt really passionate about while we were living there was the Burmese refugee crisis mm -hmm. and fell in love with the coral reef. And we Within about two to three years of going back to the same little bay in Thailand, mm -hmm. we um, we noticed the coral reefs degrading really uh, fast. Yes. And so the, the two projects we designed and funded was visiting this Burmese camp and we built an eco playground. And uh, it was our opportunity to like meet this camp, understand what was going on there, connect through creating something, leave a gift and also try to think and craft we were able to do more what would that look like and what what are their needs and how are our skills potentially able to to s support in this realm and we did the same process with the coral reefs you know we mm -hmm. looked into like why are they dying what's happening here um why are all the fish gone and we as artists we we learned about artificial reefs and that we could build new substrates. Um, we could raise awareness through the art mm -hmm. and uh, you can actually grow coral onto these sculptures. That's so cool. <laughs> and so we built our first sculpture down there in Thailand and gifted it to a dive community. For us, the art rising, the, the real hope is that we would be able to create social and environmental impact through art. And I, I just think art is a really powerful medium because it engages people who who might might not be engaged in those things. Mm -hmm. And it communicates in such unique ways, depending on who the artist is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can touch people and, you know, beyond the rational mind, you can reach deeper into emotional or like just the way we think. You can shift the way that people think. So for us, it's been like the most powerful medium to, to like harness more energy energy towards these issues and what we did find as we were pursuing more work with the um, with the refugee camp and within coral reef restoration is we found that right now globally there's a lot more I guess attention and desperation towards climate our climate threat and so um, we've been putting more of our energy and time into creating global coalition which which came from that project and it was essentially to try and craft a model where we could bridge art and science and use the art to bring greater support and awareness to some of the best science that's out there to restore our marine ecosystems wow thank yeah. you so much for yeah, all of that <laughs> no that's no it's amazing i think it's so beautiful how it all kind of came together in full circle for you two, how you both went off on your own journeys, but to come back together again and to really create something here and make a difference. I've only met you and Kyle a year ago. And just from what I know from Global Coalition, I've just seen you guys work so hard this last year with all of the ups and downs and the challenges and also positive side of things. Can you explain the purpose of Global Coalition and its mission? Mm -hmm. What are the needs and the methods of coral restoration and marine ecosystems at this time? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So Global Coalition is a nonprofit our mission is to accelerate marine ecosystem regeneration in regions where marine ecosystems are risking irreversible collapse. So right now, globally, we've lost over half of our coral reefs around the world. So mainly. insane. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. um, and it's crazy how, I mean, it's, I've heard from people who've been in the field for a long time that they 
knew that this was happening decades ago. But no one was doing anything. But no one was doing anything. And it's because it's so beneath the surface. Yeah. It. Yeah. It doesn't exist. It's, like it's out of sight, out of mind. Kind mm -hmm. of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And only recently has the imagery and the videography of our coral reefs dying been able to be like mm -hmm. openly seen by the masses. So yes. it's now in everyone's awareness, which yes. is really exciting. But as is like all of the other things like soil degrad degradation and um, the amount of carbon dioxide in our atmosphere, like there's just so many things that we have to tackle to try and create a future that where we have clean air and clean water and clean food and the ability to support the future 9 billion people that are going to yeah. be on this planet. Yeah. So for me, like Climate action is the most exciting thing to be involved in, as well as like social and human healing and, and evolution. And I think that those two things come together really beautifully as well. I love seeing how solving a climate problem actually also provides solutions for humanitarian mm -hmm. issues. So like mm -hmm. it's all really beautifully interconnected. And that's also why through Global Coalition, we observe a marine ecosystem in a holistic way. We try and understand what are the main causes of the degradation in this area? Um, how do we reduce those pressures? And then how do we create an environment that can increase the the life and, and prosperity of, of what wants to live and thrive in this okay. place? Yeah, that brings us into Atabe mm -hmm. and the purpose of her. She'll be living in Sisua Bay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> can you share with our listeners her purpose and the journey it's been since you first birthed the project? Mm -hmm. And maybe just explain the process. I mean, I know all about it, but I think we need to share that with, <laughs> with everyone as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So we have like three main pillars through Global Coalition. It's art, science, and community. And so we start with the art. We, When we come to a place, we connect with the local population and we seek to discover a meaningful cultural symbol that we can build into a beautiful giant monument and a tribute to the area. And we deploy it into the ocean to become a coral reef site. And we campaign for it to become marine protected. And when it's deployed, we use it as an educational site for the, the local dive community, the local youth to see how do we bring, how do we turn this sculpture that's currently an inert substrate into a living coral reef? Mm -hmm. So what we've done here is uh, we, you know, when we started talking to people, it was the Taino indigenous culture of this land that wanted to be created at least through through the connections that we had made and mm -hmm. the schools we had spoken to and and i think it's significant on this island because this is one of the first places that spanish colonialism arrived in and i think being here you notice that it's that their culture is not super represented you know 83 percent of their population was wiped out yeah. during during that time and they're now moving through a, a resurgence and and a reclamation of their culture and their music mm -hmm. and identity so we're kind of joining in with that movement and i think indigenous wisdom is so powerful because it is intricately connected to nature and so atabe is representative of the mother earth to the taino people so ata is mother and bay is beginning she ruled over like fresh water fertility rain the moon the tides she goes to the ocean once to give birth to her son yukahu who's the god of the sea and so symbolically it felt it felt fitting for what we wanted to do which was to bring more life to to the sea and when you bring more life to the sea it brings more fish and that's food security for the people and the you know we've been really lucky to have a couple partners in the area who are working on water treatment solutions so treating the sewage waste that 
that normally just is yes. right now getting pumped into the ocean and that creates cleaner water also working to bring in recycling solutions which also that's a big one here that's a big one here um, <laughs> drives me crazy yeah <laughs> especially when you're coming from a country where that's already in place and you grew up recycling so then you come here and it's just all one garbage bin it feels super weird because mm -hmm. it's like even if I separate it it doesn't matter because it's not going anywhere to be recycled everything here is either landfill burned or ends up in the ocean yeah what are some of the ways you hope to involve in the ways you have involved and collaborated with the local community here in the Dominican Republic yes the exciting thing about the art in Atabay is that it's allowed us to raise tons of awareness it's reached pretty much viral local and national news it was actually through the help because we were actually protested against by the evangelic church oh. because they thought that we were devil worshiping oh my god um, because i guess atabe is a pagan symbol but like people were gathering around and seeing and we, we built it on a public beach and we actually had a really beautiful confrontation i guess like a conversation with the priests of the evangelic church and the local municipality to all come together and talk about what everyone was feeling and the mayor of the town spoke up and said we need to acknowledge our history we need to acknowledge our indigenous cultures yes. and we need to recognize that our marine health is our future so it was a really amazing experience i think and we, we were watching throughout social media and uh, throughout the dominican republic people were debating about these conversations about our ecology and the need to protect the environment. And it was just so like- So you a, really started a conversation here with yeah, the local through, people. I, yeah, <laughs> so that's been like, you know, I think that is the power of the art that without that, we wouldn't really have as much awareness around the next step. For us, the next steps here is that we hope in this region near Sisuas to build a coral farm and education center. And once she's deployed in the water, we basically work with the dive community to learn how to practice coral gardening. Okay. So we have two structures around Atabe that are nurseries for branching corals. Okay. And then in our coral farm, we work with a technique called microfragmentation. And it's a it's an amazing breakthrough in coral science where they've discovered if you slice coral into tiny pieces, it grows 25 to 50 times faster. And you can grow them in tanks on land where they're in good conditions and you can feed them bioaccelerators and nutrients and they can cover their substrate. They can cover like, let's say, a five centimeter ceramic plug in six months. Okay. And so we're aiming for like 24 tanks mm -hmm. and the ability to outplant twice a year. And so every year we're aiming to outplant 20,000 coral plugs and we plant them a few centimeters away from each other and over a few years they'll fuse together. Oh, cool. And so they call that like reskinning the reef. And oh, so cool. we'll do that all over our sculptures, but also around the degraded reef. And so these are techniques that we will have a coral scientist at our farm. They'll be training the local people who are interested. Um, we're exploring how do we help fishermen get dive certified and become our conservation dive crew. If Atabe becomes a, an ecotourism site, how do we create opportunities for the dive schools mm -hmm. to take people out and, and help with cleanings and, and learn about restoration. So wow. it is like a, you know, the, the, the vision is that will be completely a community empowered project. Yeah. It sounds um, like that's the direction it's going here with everything you just mentioned. It's so powerful, really, you know, when she's in there, when is she getting deployed? What's happening there? I know it's been so up and down. <laughs> mm -hmm. Definitely had a lot of challenges because of her size. She's going to be the tallest underwater sculpture in the world. World. We had a boat and a crane that were like committed to help us. Yeah. And then um, when we got to the day to try and deploy, 
they backed out and then we had a boat ready and then the boat went for its next venture and on its way back it capsized and so (laughs) now we have another boat and this other amazing hero with two cranes was like I can do the job I'm there for you it's at the port right now and we're basically waiting for this new boat to come back from their voyage because we're using a cargo ship and they um they're kind of fitting us in between their their jobs i see so if all goes smoothly next week will be deployment wow um, and <laughs> it'll be quite the celebration i think you guys yeah, need to celebrate that definitely if, if celebration. once that happens because mm-hmm. i've just been watching the updates and all of the uh situations and this sounds like this is this is going to be it mm-hmm. i think Mm-hmm. I think this is it. I think so. I think so. <laughs> and it's been really fascinating to to work with people here, you know, mm-hmm. and learn how to work with people. And and what we've been learning is like, you know, we, we have to build like an authentic connection with people. Yes. To, for them to really care about what we're doing. Yes. And want to be part of and it. And want to help. And mm-hmm. the people that have come to be part of it are really like, you know, we feel this in our heart that oh. like this is what I, I like. This will be a huge life achievement for me. Like I want my grandchildren and their grandchildren to see this and know that their family member was a part of it. Like it, it oh, has wow. become like it's... really meaningful to a lot of Dominican people. Yeah. So that's really beautiful. And, you know, Sosua, where where it's going is, you know, I think a, a really interesting town because it was so Irka Mateo, who's mm-hmm. is the elder. She came from Sosua. We asked her in the very beginning for her blessing and her thoughts about this project before we started. And she she loved it and, and through our, our interactions began to to help guide us through it. Yeah. Um, but Sasua used to be this bohemian town, super family friendly. And I used to go there. Yeah, as a child. Like I'm Those sh- are my childhood memories is going there with my family. Yeah. Beach day. Mm-hmm. We spend oh, the whole day there and it was so fun. And that's my childhood memories. So then coming back year after year and seeing it kind of going downwards spiral with heavy amount of prostitution that's happening and the beach is so beautiful <laughs> yeah and that that, that reef bay, used yeah. to be like this incredible thriving reef that everyone would come to, to yes, see. yes yes and it was you know yeah it has transitioned for sure and since the reef died and the tourism shifted into into mainly prostitution all the tourists have changed and exactly so yeah you can feel that the the people who live there and work there and are, are surviving off the tourism of the area yeah they're all so excited to see this, this is going to change this 100 so. uh-huh. percent yeah. because <laughs> when she's in there yeah. and you know when you mentioned you know if this becomes like a tourist attraction for people to come and it's just going to bring a different vibe and different energy mm-hmm. back to the beach mm-hmm. i think I it'll think be really so. nice yeah mm-hmm. for sure <laughs> and it's a, it's a really special place and the, the yeah. The reef there has declined to less than 10%. It's a, it's a, it's a pretty unhealthy. It's, it's the most unhealthy reef I've seen. Oh, wow. You know, what you're seeing now is just like the, the skeletons and yeah, it's, it's pretty wild, but I'm still super optimistic because seeing what you're capable of doing with microfragmentation and coral farming and being able to clean and treat water and protect an area from fishing like mm-hmm. all of those signed together is it protected around there for so fishing right now I think. it's legally declared a protected park right we the thing that's we've noticed around the Dominican Republic is things may be legally protected but not enforced. Uh-huh, right. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. need like you know you need an enforcement team or you need like yeah. some kind of restriction there. So Magua Foundation, our friend our friend Manuel has been working really hard on getting a local team together and enforcing it. And there actually is a a strong local team that the fishermen respect and 
it's mainly protecting from fishing fishermen from outside the area uh, okay. who don't know that this is protected. I, I think there's a there's been a lot of progress there. The only yeah, the only thing they're working on is like being able to to regularly finance this protection team. Our hope is that th- there's a big goal right now to protect 30% of the ocean by 2030. Um right now I think maybe like under 10% is protected. Oh wow. And the the thing about marine protected areas, I think it's one of the most successful conservation methods, but you allow the fish populations to recover. Right. And yeah, because the, then they can bounce back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Not so depleted. Yeah. Like yeah. right now there you see like very little fish yes. and only like babies, juveniles, yeah. Yeah. And, and they're catching even those. And, wow. and if you imagine everything's caught, then there's nothing left. Yeah. Then most island communities depend on fish yeah. populations yeah. for food and livelihoods. So they say coral reefs support 25% of all marine life. They provide 1 billion people around the world with food and livelihood. Wow. There are $36 billion tourism contribution to, to island communities. And they absorb 97% of wave and storm energy. So that protects our coasts. Oh, wow. So they say like, if you're, once you lose a reef, erosion rates increase by a hundred percent. And so you're seeing like, you know, coastal regions start degrading and then all that beachfront property becomes at risk. And Mm. so it's pretty wild. Like, you know, also like mangroves and things that protect the coastal regions and also help filter the water are super important. For sure. So ecosystem regeneration, I just feel like is the... It's so important. It's super important right now. (laughs) I'm sitting here just like, my mind is blown, just everything that you're telling me right now. (laughs) And I mean, I'm sure there's so much more to learn. How can people get involved if they'd like to support your cause and be involved with this? Hmm. Well, in the uh, Dominican Republic, you know, the way that we design our projects is that every site that we envision doing this work in becomes locally empowered and run and becomes oh. self-sustaining on its own. Yes. So if we have a coral farm and education center and a reef restoration area, we can design with local businesses, the local dive community, the fishing populations in the schools and the expat community, et cetera, the hotels, ways that we are mutually benefiting each other mm-hmm. and ways that the farm can be sustained as it continues to provide rehabilitation to the marine ecosystem in the area and also new jobs for for people and a lot of education opportunity. Our dream here is to set up the farm in the next year and and keep building these local relationships and partnerships. So I would say like people who are interested to get involved locally here, that's huge because it it really will take like a village, you know, and and everyone has a different way that they can contribute. Hopefully in a huge way we're contributing as well. Like it's all about mutual beneficiality yeah yeah because and that's also what we're trying to design as well as how does humanity and nature become a relationship that's mutually beneficial yeah you know how do how does my investment and care for nature give back to me because it affect it essentially does more than us continuing to take from it because Mm -hmm. that ends up into like we'll end up being nothing you know we'll end up not having anything if we if we continue to you know cut down every tree and fish every fish and Mm -hmm. pollute all the water but if but the way that nature works is it's regenerative and so it's really i think the the key is like shifting that mindset and redesigning our relationship with nature and how we can become farmers and um, not hunters you know so i think like that's and it's beautiful here because i think that the youth there's so many nonprofits 
focused on the youth. Yes, there are. Actually, and so yeah. I think there's like a really exciting new generation coming into a, a world where we are trying to design regenerative systems. Yeah. And our dream is also to bring this to other countries and kind of expand and build a network of artists and scientists and local communities that are working together in all these different regions. That would be awesome. <laughs> and for, on the artistic side, it's super exciting just because yeah. like, every culture is so different. Yeah. And every region has a different kind of unique social and environmental situation. And, and um, so one of the regions we're talking to is Lesbos, Lesbos, Greece. Okay. And they have a huge Syrian refugee crisis there, yeah. a lot of tension between the refugees and the local community also. And they're an island that has uh, a degraded marine ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So being able to create and collaborate and design something that could benefit all the all the different communities there as well as uh, the, the marine environment there is super exciting. I could get into more detail, but it's a, it's a pretty, like, it's a whole, it's a whole other, other, thing. other world. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you guys are doing all the right things to get to where your visions are going. I mean, it just sounds like you and Kyle really have a strong vision for your future and what you want to do here on this planet and leave some kind of legacy behind. And it takes people like you to start these things and be pioneers and create the change because people see the news and all oh, that's sad. Next, <laughs> you know, I, I'm just thinking of like living your hustle bustle busy life over in the big city and you're just in your day to day. You're not thinking about what's going on in the ocean or all the trees are getting cut down in the Amazon until we're faced with it. Guess what, guys? There's no more fish. Or mm -hmm. guess what? There's no more trees. <laughs> and it takes people like you and Kyle to put all of this into action and do this. And I really mm -hmm. respect you guys. And I think what you're doing is so amazing. So oh, just, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, and I would love to say that, you know, we didn't have a ocean background at all. Like uh -huh. my, my background is in economic development. Okay. Um, Kyle's is in communication. Oh, wow. And uh, we both channeled that into art. Cool. <laughs> but, um, but our background, I feel like, allows us to do mm -hmm. things in our, our own unique way. Yeah. But we learned everything that we could about ocean and coral conservation just by spending a year being dedicated to learning about yeah. it and like calling people in the field. And what I gathered from it is the ocean conservation community is so strong and people are really working their asses off Amazing. to figure this out from like mm -hmm. every single angle. I mean, just in coral con conservation, there's like hundreds of organizations around the world. But also if you think how big the ocean is, yes. and, like the, the impact is still, I think, I think there's still a lot more potential with um, what we're going to do in the next 30 years. Because yeah. I think a lot of scientists are predicting most of the numbers have been like by 2050, we're going to lose 90% of our reefs. We're going to lose our fish stock. I'm not sure all the other, yeah. other stats out there related to other things but I think it, there's other studies coming out saying based on the recovery rates of marine ecosystems we can actually bring them back by 2050 and there's a lot there's, that, a, there's a chance here there's like, definitely a chance 30 years is a lot of time yeah. to really shift things around yeah. and I, I am really really optimistic and I think that most people like they understand what's happening with climate change mm -hmm. but people don't necessarily know what they can do exactly and so yeah. I feel like feel entrepreneurial and you want to like pioneer something I think this is the time to do it yeah but also I think as activists or entrepreneurs I think one of the keys is also thinking how do we make this more accessible to everyone yeah 
you know, so even with coral farming, yes. you know, they, they have the amazing solution of farming and people have really like designed and packaged the farm into like this replicable, scalable okay. model. But one of the keys that I'm, I'm seeing is how do we mobilize the community where it's going to be around that so that we have all this manpower or human power, woman power yeah. that we need <laughs> to really make a difference as a community. I think reef, you know, reef, dependent communities, island communities will really, really benefit from this transition to becoming like stewards of their marine environment, the amount of abundance and... and It'll um, become the normal, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. for especially people living on the islands to want to restore their coral, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I think this yeah. is the direction it's going. And I do think the hotel industry is a huge part to play in that as yeah. well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because of their beachfront properties. Mm -hmm. And then I'm sure there's obviously probably coral happening there. Mm -hmm. They can definitely get involved mm -hmm. with this. Yeah, and I hope that the even the the tourism industry shifts into ecotourism. Yeah, you know, if you are going to go visit a country, somehow contribute to that. Yeah, to being there. Yes. You know, yes. somehow offset your carbon footprint. Yeah. Yeah, I just hope that it, it's in everyone's mind about the way that we live and make choices and eat and move around and the way we dedicate our time and energy and money. Mm -hmm. Like all of these things have our natural environment and and our community in consideration. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're always looking for donors. <laughs> um, always looking for partners, yeah. for um, for feedback, for collaborations. So we're just, we're super open. And I I, I will also say it's definitely not just me and Kyle. Yeah, like you have a team. <laughs> The amount of volunteers and support that we had for this project, which, you know, it just wouldn't have been possible with. And you saw like how many people have come together yeah. for this. So it's been, it's been really beautiful. And I, that's what it's all about these yes. days. Is the collaboration. The, <laughs> yeah. And the, and the community that you can build and behind. The yeah. That's that. I think that was something very key that you mentioned mm. is creating the relationship with the community so that they care about what you're doing. And I mm. think you really tapped into that here, especially with the Tainos people that are still here. A lot of Dominicans have a little bit of mixture. It's there mm -hmm. <laughs> and it is the history of this island. So I've seen a couple of the ceremonies you guys have done with Atabe and the Tainos Bull. And I think that's really great that it's been integrated. And like, it's important because otherwise they're just like, oh, you know, the Americans are here and they're just, you know, <laughs> what are they doing now? Kind of thing. But they're really involved. So like you said, they feel honor to be a part of something like this so mm. really we're cool. so so honored to work with them oh my gosh <laughs> it's like the the wisdom that yeah. that comes through i mean it's it's a really beautiful culture and people and and uh i have a thought on on just i trying to think how to and has a words. huge smile on her face, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> she's literally just like glowing <laughs> um, yeah it's I okay. mean, yeah, all humans have like, you know, so much magic inside yeah. them. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, 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 the thing about the Taino people that we've been able to work with is that they, they've really been like teachers and guides mm -hmm. and like, you know, it's like Taino studies, Alfonso, if you find him on Instagram, it's beautiful to see him using Instagram as a, um, you know, he's, he's a spiritual teacher. Okay. You know, and yeah. to be able to use social media in that way to pass wisdom and encouragement. And 
you know, stories and and I feel like for me through my when my was when I was evolving and developing myself and trying to figure out who I was and what I wanted to do, I found yoga, I found philosophy and I turned to Eckhart Tolle mm-hmm. and Alan Watts and they really helped me and guided me and and these teachers I think in this time are super important uh, from all the cultures yeah. and, and everyone can find their own teacher and culture that they resonate yeah. with but yeah sure. yes. well who <laughs> can you name maybe one or two of your muses in your life that you'd like to give a little shout out to mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah it was interesting when you first asked me this I, I know it's I really difficult because yeah. you're like I have a lot of muses I'm sure, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Um, well the first one that came to mind is Sylvia Earl she was one of the first women scuba divers Oh, cool. And she she has Mission Blue, trying to create hope spots, marine protected areas around the world. And she speaks all the time, all around the world, about protecting our oceans. And for me, just to see how many decades she's been dedicated to this cause and mm-hmm. still continues to be, mm-hmm. is really powerful. And uh, that type of perseverance and, and the optimism and grace and firmness in which she delivers her message. Yeah. Um, has been really inspiring and you know another one I'd say I'd say Irka Mateo is definitely one of one of my my wonderful inspirational muses she's amazing (laughs) actually she will be on the podcast next week so stay tuned for that but Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit more why you love her (laughs) yeah Irka I mean she's an incredible musician from if you look up Irka Mateo on Spotify she just welcomed us so warmly and and has supported us so unconditionally and I can feel her her power as a a woman and a teacher and one of the beautiful things she said to us was she had her her moment in her youth and her middle ages of being like this like superstar yeah you know and now she understands that she is taking on the role of the elder and she also spent i think 20 years working at the smithsonian passing and on information and and teaching children about taino culture yes 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 i i just think her her also her dedication and her her life's work is um is super inspiring and she's just a wonderful human. she is yeah <laughs> it's always nice when you you meet someone that is is just a, so skilled and mm-hmm. and has done so many wonderful things mm-hmm. and they they embrace you and yeah. love you yeah. and like are willing to share so openly and, yeah. yeah well she loves you too so <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah. So we're going to go with the finale question here. Can you share with us one positive outcome from this pandemic you may have experienced or any life-changing lessons you've learned? So I had a, um interesting reflection about 2020 this year with the pandemic. You know, I feel a lot of, I guess, love and yeah, just a lot of love for all of all of the pain and suffering that has happened, but also a lot of hope for what it may have revealed and what this year of like kind of pausing and what that might have created for for the next decade forward. Symbolically, I thought about the year 2020 being, you know, 2020 vision being symbolic of us being able to see a bit more clearly you know the symbolism of us having all been wearing masks and being quiet and internal for a moment to observe and see what is really happening around us and the symbolism of you know a respiratory virus at the same time like the trees and the coral reefs and our you know the lungs of our planet also going through this you know this existential threat yes i think it was 
it's been a crazy year and I think it's been really beautiful to see all of the support and the the ways that people have been trying to survive and, and, and support each other. And nothing brings people together more than an existential threat. There's a lot of controversy around the virus, but I just hope that this that year of 2020 was significant for a lot of people having more clarity and being able to observe and see how they want to move forward in, in this decade and maybe reshape their lives or yeah I, I think it was a pretty significant it was year. definitely yeah. definitely a year to reflect think about mm-hmm. what is it that I want what am I doing mm-hmm. <laughs> what no longer serves me mm-hmm. it was I would say quite the pivot and uh, transformational year mm-hmm. and I also think. being able to focus on our health you yes, know, like that was. I think people, yeah, just realizing how how fragile yes. that is, and also how quickly inter- how interconnected we are because a virus can yes. spread our entire <laughs> planet so fast. Yeah. And I do think the the reduction in flying was probably a positive thing. Yeah, I will see how this next. I mean, this next decade, I'm I'm really excited about. It's the UN decade of um, ecosystem regeneration. Okay, I'm I'm just yeah, I'm hopeful that about where, well, where we I'm go from here. Super excited to see <laughs> what happens next. And I really hope that Atabe gets deployed next week. And we'll definitely share some photos of Atabe on the Musai Collective Instagram. And I'll also share some content of the deployment. And we'll link all the information below. And it was so good to talk to you today and share your story. I'm just really looking forward to what's next for you guys. And I really am here to support you and just so much love for you guys. <laughs> Thank you. And likewise. Okay. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. And stay tuned for next week with Irka Mateo. Bye.